You're listening to audio from Gospel Light Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more of our resources or support our ministry, please visit gospellight.sg. Good morning, Gospel Light. It's a privilege to be back. And as the third speaker in this uh, three-part series of Know, Grow, and Go. So every speaker so far, they have this unique characteristic about them. They bring something special to the table. Uh, Hanel, he has his wide range of exotic German philosophers and theologians that he will introduce us to. Uh, Yifei will come out and share his different life stage changes. For me, here's a fitness tip. <laughs> Alright, so we commonly know when we grow older, right, uh, we start to lose the muscle mass we once had, we start to decrease in bone density and muscle strength. And the rate is uh, probably around once we hit 40 and and above, we almost lose up to 1% of muscle mass a year. That coupled with our decrease in metabolism, decrease in physical activity. And what we find is that over time, we, it's easier for us to put on weight. It's easier for us to fall sick and get injured. And uh, maybe we find difficulty in performing some of the tasks that we once used to be able to do and enjoy. And so, a uh, simple picture of uh, the loss of muscle mass, if you, if you chop off your leg and you take the cross-section and you see, then over time when, when you age, then the muscle starts to decrease, the fat starts to increase. But there is a, this group of Singaporeans that quite inspiring to me. Uh, they call themselves the Team Strong Silvers. And this group of old uncles and some aunties, they would gather quite frequently to continue exercising and, and uh, going out, keeping fit, and this group, the youngest among them is 60 years old and the oldest is 81. So they have proven that uh, the, the loss of activity and muscles and, and uh, fitness throughout the years, it is not necessarily true if you continue to put in the work, to exercise, to be uh, disciplined with your body. So we talked about uh, physical exercise. What about spiritual fitness and exercise? And Pastor Yufei introduced to us this verse last week on 1 Timothy 4. And he says, we have to train ourselves for godliness. And I'm sure the word looks very familiar to you, gym and gymnasium. So it involves an active going out, an active discipline, an active stepping out and doing something in terms of our godliness. And that's the same um, what I'll carry on that thought for today. You see, a lot of us, we come to church every single week and there's great stuff being taught. There's great food downstairs and we come and we feed and we take in and we learn and we grow and have all these things. But if we're always just taking in and growing and, and never really doing anything about it, all it will do is just expand our heads but our bodies are, are weak and we've never put those muscles to work and we'll become like, like this picture. We're unable to really move and be effective or useful for the mission that God has called us to do. Right? So we don't want to be a church like that. When we come to the Word and we grow and we learn from the services and the teachings, it's not just for our information but for our transformation. If we truly know Jesus, we want to press on for Him to grow in Him and then go for Him. Another way to look at it is that if we are saved and growing in our sanctification, the natural outflow of that is now we will serve. Right? So to go for Jesus, and I will use this a bit interchangeably in today's sermon, to go for Jesus is the same really as 
to, to serve, to be involved in uh, what the church is doing, to come alongside, to serve one another, to love one another, to be a blessing one to another, to bring God's Word to His people and people who have yet to know Him. So going for Jesus and serving and serving one another, I will use quite interchangeably because that's what it's really all about. So a saved people will be a sanctified people and then will be a serving people. So it's time for us now, after knowing and growing, to put our hand to the plough, the proverb of uh, when the rubber meets the road, right? So let's start to walk the talk and that's what Peter calls his readers to do in 1 Peter 4 verses 10 to 11. I won't repeat the reading of the word, we saw that earlier, but Peter exhorts his readers to start to step out to serve and think how can we love and serve one another and be a blessing to one another. Three points I'll run through today. Firstly is our means to go, uh, the mandate or the command to go, and thirdly is our motivation to go. Alright, so starting off with the means. And I will bring us through some of the key words in this verse for us to slowly unpack the truths that God has for us. The means to go, as each has received a gift. So upon salvation, all of us, we have in a sense received this like welcome pack from God. Right? So it's just like gospel, like every week after the service, and Pastor Jason will call for any newcomers with us. And every newcomer, you get a welcome gift that has some information to get you started on who we are as gospel and how you can be a part of us, right? So as a believer, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you come to know Jesus personally, that is, a, in a sense, a welcome gift for you. And part of that it involves this thing called a spiritual gift. So once you are saved as a believer, you receive this thing called a spiritual gift. And God gives you everything you need to start your life as a new believer in Jesus, to go and live for Him, grow in Him. And one of these things is spiritual gifts. I will not in this sermon go extensively explaining everything what, of, of what spiritual gifts are because they have been uh, covered in the past when Pastor Jason, for example, brought us through 1 Corinthians 12. But to explain, and, and it will be helpful for us as well, uh, spiritual gifts are gifts that are graciously, freely given uh, abilities and ways for us to serve the body of Christ as empowered by the Spirit. Uh, in his other sermons on spiritual gifts, Pastor Jason gave us three factors that we can gauge whether this is a spiritual gift or not. So as we are serving, as we are going about getting involved in something, uh, do we see it's easy? Do we see it's effective? And do we have the excitement as we go about serving? And that's one of the ways how we can discern if this is a spiritual gift. So gifts that are for us, abilities empowered by the Spirit for us to serve the body of Christ. I'll zoom in on the word gift. The word gift comes from this root word that uh, means grace. It's a gift that is graciously given. In other words, we did not deserve this gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to, to reach it, but rather God has already in His grace freely given that to you. Right? Some of us, we think in our Christian lives, we need to work to a certain level, to be a certain level of Christian to unlock the gifts, to unlock the blessings. Right? In, uh, back in, in my time when I was studying, there was this buzzword that came around in the corporate world. Right? And that buzzword is gamification. 
and started, the, everyone was starting to talk about how we can implement games uh, into the various tasks and milestones that you hit a certain milestone and you unlock this thing and you get certain rewards. Right? So they decided to put this kind of gamification into all kinds of things and maybe the more familiar ones that you might be with is Grab and its different tiers of membership, right? And any, any Grab Platinum members over here? Well, the, the big spenders, right? So we know that there's uh, multiple membership tiers in Grab and the more you use the app, the app and the platform, the more you spend with them, then they will bump you up the different tiers. And the bigger spenders would be these Platinum members that uh, they, they get certain benefits because of that. There's more vouchers, there's more support, uh, and there's this priority allocation when you book a taxi and maybe you're one of the first few to, to get it rather than the other ordinary members. And sometimes we apply that same thinking to church and think that in Christianity, there are different levels of Christians. And we think maybe for us, we are the normal ones, right? And we are, we are just ordinary members. We don't have any benefits. We're just the masses. But people like Pastor Jason, then he's the platinum Christian. That when Pastor Jason prays, he has the priority answer from God, right? God will hear his prayer first over the rest of us. And the blessings and all that is more, right? But you see, that's not how Christianity works. All of us are equal before God. There's no one that's more special than the other. And all our benefits of Christianity are unlocked, in a sense, from the beginning. God has already given you everything you need to live out your Christian faith. All your spiritual gifts, He has been uh, given to you from the start. You don't need to work up to a certain level to earn a gift. So, spiritual gifts are undeserved and freely given. There is nothing you need to do to earn it. The next word I will zoom into is as each. Very simply put, each and every one of us has received a spiritual gift. There is no one that is left out. There's no one today who can say that, hey, I don't want to serve or I don't want to get involved. I don't need to go for Jesus because maybe God has uh, missed me. He forgot about me. I'm too small. I'm too insignificant. And I don't, I don't think I have a gift. And that is not true because the verse does say each and every one of us, referencing from 1 Corinthians 12, it says the Spirit of God has apportioned to each one individually as He wills. So the moment you become a true believer in Jesus, you instantly and definitely receive a gift. And individually, it also carries the, the meaning that every one of us has a unique gift tailored just for you. God has an exact purpose and plan for your life in how He wants you to get involved where you can specially, uniquely fit in to the body of Christ. Just like a jigsaw puzzle. There should be every single puzzle piece is unique and it has a, a specific place in that entire picture. And that's how it is with us as Christians in the body. The third one I will zoom into is the word received. So receive, it means you have already received, past tense. The gift is not something that is going to come to you in the future or you need to be a 10-year Christian, then you can get it, or serve for five years, then you get it, but you have already received it. So it's not something that you can generate or learn or you didn't even ask for it, but God has already 
given. Now, when you think about receive, logically, it also has to come from somewhere. You have received it from, right? And we have received this gift from the Holy Spirit, from God Himself. In other words, that means it's a supernatural gift. It's a gift that is empowered by the Spirit. It's, uh, that would be different from just a normal human talent or ability. So it's maybe something that you have never learned before, never done before, but supernaturally, the moment you are saved, God enables you with a certain ability so that you can serve the church. This is something from the Holy Spirit and not something that we can try and learn and, and cultivate from ourselves. It's something we receive. Lastly, uh, will be it's a multi-coloured, multi-varied grace. Sorry, so the word varied, it carries the meaning of multi-coloured, like a rainbow. A, a whole spectrum of colours is almost infinite and you can, you can get a different blend of colours at, at any single point. And that's the point here is that every gift that God has given to, to each believer is unique, especially for you in its blend and characteristics and capacity is the exact way that God has tailored for you to serve the body of Christ. So no two Christians will be identical. No two Christians will be, uh, no one will be redundant. Right? No one can say that, oh, just because I think he has the same gift as me, but he's better, so I don't need to do then he just do it. But no, God has a, a purpose for him, God has a purpose for you. Even though the gifts might be similar, but there's different ways, there's different expressions, there's different areas for you to serve. Right, so there are a few teachings on what spiritual gifts are, a few different lists. I'll just put them here for you. I won't go into all of them. But from these categories, there's, there's speaking gifts, there's uh, helping, there's teaching, there's serving gifts. So that's opposed from just uh, human talents and abilities that we train by ourselves. But in these areas of service, in these ways, these are how God has empowered Christians to serve one another and to be a blessing to one another. Obviously, the next question would be, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? Right? Can I take some tests? Can pastor come and crystal ball and then, okay, your gift is this? Not really. And sometimes we, we have this test online, right? We see what, spiritualgifttest.com or something. But maybe that's like a starting point, but that's not really the best way for you to find out what your spiritual gift is. Uh, internet tests, uh, I don't think it's the same as you actually experiencing it for yourself. So sometimes tests are simply like a personality test, right? When you think, oh, today I feel like what? Then I just put this. Or I want to have this spiritual gift, then you answer accordingly. But more uh, accurately would be for us to really go and try it out, go and serve, go and discover, go and experiment. And as you get involved in something and maybe you just step out of your comfort zone to try uh, greeting a newcomer or try teaching the children in Sunday school a certain Bible story. And as you explore these areas, if you, as you find it, maybe there's an ease to it. There's, you find it easy. Maybe, maybe it's really something you've never tried before. But suddenly, after you become a Christian, you start teaching that class. You start welcoming and befriending newcomers. You find it easy. You find something that you're excited to, to get involved in. Maybe it's something that you realize, hey, you're actually very effective at doing it. Right? So when there's an ease, there's an effectiveness, there's an excitement, then it's likely pointing that this indeed is an area that God has gifted you to serve. Right? So 
spiritual gift test that is maybe just a starting point to, to get started to try certain things, but it's really when you get into the work itself, when you're out there to serve others, to be a blessing, and that's where you discover. All right, so that's on how we have been equipped to serve and there's a purpose for it. And the purpose is that we are given this manifestation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit for the common good of the church, of the body of Christ. All of us, we belong as unique and and specific parts of the body of Christ. So it's just like your human body. If any small part of your body, body, no matter how insignificant it is, no matter how small it is, if it goes dysfunctional, if it starts to, if it starts to um, not cooperate with you, then you know that there's an amount of pain and discomfort. Uh, just a small organ in your body, like maybe the appendix, and the appendix decides one day to, to get infected. And even though it's so small and so insignificant, it will cause you great discomfort. Maybe it's your, your small toe on your foot, and you injure it somehow and you can't really use it. And what happens to the whole body? It's crippled. You can't really walk straight. You would uh, be, be ineffective in what you're supposed to be doing. So it's the same with the body of Christ. As the church, the body of Christ, we are supposed to collectively be pressing on for God's mission to lead generations into life-changing relationships with Jesus Christ. But if parts of the body are not working, the hand don't want to work, the eye don't want to see, the liver don't want to work, then this whole body will be crippled, will be stuck in the ICU, cannot move, just waiting for medicine and, and waiting to be revived. So that's why all the parts of the body have to come together to exercise the, the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Then as a church, we will be effective in our mission. All right? So spiritual gifts, something that God has graciously given, freely given, as uh, abilities or ways to serve the body of Christ as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is our means to go. Secondly, is our mandate or command to go. So all of us, because you have received this gift, the command is therefore to use it. Since you have received, the command is to use it. Now, who can tell me that very famous line that uh, Peter Parker's uncle told him near the start of his career? Anyone? Yep, that's right. So some from the, the younger side of the congregation have eagerly answered, with great power comes great responsibility. And if you think about it, isn't that exactly the same for us? Our spiritual gifts are powerful because it's not our power, but it's God's power working through us. So every one of us, you have great power. It's not your own, it is God's, but it's given to you so that you can use it to serve. And now that is our responsibility. Because you have been given the gift, use it to serve. Right, so I went through before, um, as the body of Christ, we are one, we are connected, we are united. So we have to be part and contributing members of that body. And it's a very sad thing because sometimes we think that church is just a one-man show, right? And it's said that most of the time, sometimes church, it resembles more the picture on the right than on the left. And we think that, hey, we just come to church and we sit and we spectate. 
as like, as like consumers, almost like us coming to watch a cinema movie, right? And the pastor is here, and it's the pastor's job to just do everything for the church. The pastor preaches, the, pa- the pastor shakes and welcomes people, the, the pastor goes and meets the newcomers, the pastor goes and do counselling, and organise the Bible study, and sing the worship, and then go home and do the YouTube video. And if, if our one pastor has to do all of that, for all thousand plus of us, it's definitely impractical and unrealistic and it's actually impossible. We can't expect Pastor Jason to, to do that for every single one of us gospel writers. And that's why all of us, we have to play that part. We have to be serving in the various communities and care groups and, and different areas of service that we are in. So we shouldn't be like the one on the right and, and just come to watch a show. And if the pastor is entertaining, I put more money in the offering bag. And the pastor is, is stern and he scold me today, then sorry, no money for this church. That's definitely not what God intended us to be. Right? So the church is not a one-man show. It is all of us coming together to be a united body. The next word I'll talk about is uh, good stewards. So steward is not a very com- common word in today's day and age, but you can understand it as manager. And I think a lot of us are managers of some capacity, maybe in your workplace, you manage your company's resources. Right? You manage a project and the company gives you funds and money and, and manpower to go and do a certain thing. Maybe at home, you're a homemaker and you manage the household. And if you're a wife, maybe you manage your husband's money. It's not your money, but somehow it's yours and you manage it. You become the financial controller. Then as children, you also manage. As children, we just manage to make a mess. But all of us have some experience in managing something that is not our own. So what has God given us to manage? God has given us His his spiritual gifts, His resources, His empowerment. And He calls us to be good managers of what He has given. It's just like an estate manager or private wealth manager. You manage something, resources, that is not your own on behalf of the owner, on behalf of the master. So, our hope is that we are good stewards, good managers of what God has given us. And that brings, us, uh, bring, brings to mind the, the saying in the uh, book of Matthew where Jesus, when he returns, or when we go to meet Jesus again, when we go home to be with the Lord, and he will say, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful manager. You have managed what I have given you well. Enter into the rest of the Lord. And that's, uh, what we should be aiming for. Our, us, as our, in our Christian lives, as a church, we want to be productive for God. We want to be uh, active and, and going out and using whatever God has given us to be fruitful. So in terms of service, I'll go on to, to show that Peter, he categorizes serving in two kind of large, broad categories. One is in speaking, one is in serving. Serving, um, in other words, the activities that we partake in. Right? So spiritual gifts also, you can see that in these two broad categories as well. Speaking such as when we preach, we teach, we do a Bible study, we encourage a brother or sister, when we welcome people, when we preach the gospel to someone who hasn't heard it before. All those are the speaking kind of, of ways that we serve. And in the serving or the service part, there are other, other things that we physically do, um, the helps, administration, giving, mercy, and so on. Right? So two broad categories, 
and I'll run through them quickly. So firstly, when we speak, we must be speaking the oracles or the revelations or the Word of God, all right? So synonyms. We need to be representing God's truth accurately. And there are, there are many instances, especially in a Christian environment, that we will be talking about Christian things, Christian discussions, biblical discussions, and we need to make sure that when we present these things, it is not our own ideas or opinions. Right? And we are blessed by gospel like having very biblical and scripture-focused pastors over the years. And I pray that moving forward, if any one of us ever, when we stand on stage and we preach something that is not the gospel, we teach something that is not the gospel, please take out your tomatoes and shoes and throw it at us and drag us off stage, all right? Because when we speak, we must be speaking the word of God, the truths of God. And there's no deviation and there's no room for any kind of uh, personal opinion and twist on that. Similarly, when we go out and maybe share the gospel with someone, someone new, a friend, a family member, and we want to spread the, the good news of God, and it is tempting to omit certain inconvenient parts, right? Some parts that is hard to, hard to explain, hard, to, and, uh, hard for people to accept. When we say that Jesus is the only way, when we say that, that there is a, a condemnation and penalty of sin, when we say that there is an eternal separation from God in hell, and sometimes it's tempting for us to skip over certain parts because it's difficult. But what we end up doing is presenting an incomplete gospel or even maybe a gospel that has been changed and modified to, to suit the hearers of today. And that's not what we should be doing. We need to be speaking the Word of God. Maybe it's uh, in, in the way we encourage and talk to people and uh, oftentimes when we talk with a fellow bro brother and sister and we want to bear each other's burdens, right? And maybe they share with us some life struggles that they have, problems at work, problems at home, problems in school. And with the, the best of intentions, we want to offer encouragement and advice. But sometimes we have to think through, hey, is this advice something that um, is worldly advice? It's just popular opinions in the world. It's sound advice, but it's worldly advice. Or is this uh, godly advice that does point people back to God? Right? So we need to be also speaking, encouraging with wisdom from above, not wisdom of the world. So these are the speaking. Next is the, next is the serving. And we need to be serving by the strength that God supplies. Okay, so imagine with me. Uh, imagine imaginary scenario that these technological entities one day had a meeting right, to see who was the best. And so Wikipedia is the first to come up and he says, I'm the best because I know everything. Right, there's, there's nothing in this world that is not documented in, in what I have in my repository. I know every single thing about every single topic. Right, then Facebook comes along and says, hey, that's not that impressive because I know every single person. There are maybe more Facebook users than humans on this world. So somehow, Facebook knows more than the people that exist. Then Google comes along and says, hey, that's not that important. You don't need to know everything and you don't need to know everyone. So long you can find anything when you search it. And I can find anything. Right, so the three are discussing and, and a, an old and wizened entity comes along 
and it's the internet. And he says, without me, you young ones are nothing. You can't function without me. But lastly, there was this small and insignificant and silent member of the group. And electricity decided to leave the room. And after that, everyone went silent. So in that same way, there is a certain energy we need to serve God. When we go for God, we need to go and serve by the strength that God supplies. Depending on the Spirit of God, that is the electricity in a sense for Christians when we partake in spiritual activity. When we are out there to serve and be a blessing, to love one another, we need to be consciously depending on the Spirit of God for His strength, for His wisdom, for His enabling, no matter how small the task might be. Because it's it's quite easy to blur the lines between us serving in our own ability versus depending on the Spirit. And sometimes we feel that, hey, just because I've done this a long time, I'm so familiar with it, I can do this with my eyes closed. And we, we stop thinking about God. We stop thinking about how we are able to, to obey God in every single thing and listen to God's leading and be dependent on God's strength. And we start doing it by ourselves with our own ability and sooner or later we burn out and end up we actually do not give God the glory but we have started doing things for the wrong reasons. Furthermore, serving with the strength that God supplies, it empowers us to serve even when it's difficult. And that also brings to mind the picture, right? When Jesus was near the end of his earthly ministry, he showed that example to the disciples. He demonstrated that uh, serving and, and love for them by coming to wash their feet. Imagine the teacher, the master, the son of God would kneel down and bend down and wash the feet, the dirty, smelly feet of the disciples. That is usually a task given to the lowest of lower slaves and, and servants. But Jesus himself knelt down and showed the disciples that, hey, this is what service is about. Even when it's unglamorous, when, even when it's inconvenient, even when there's no reward, even when it's difficult and requires sacrifice, even if you might lose face because of it. That's what really loving each other and serving and going is all about. And only when we are depending on God for that strength, for that love, for that capacity to serve, can we do this joyfully. So, pray that we uh, as well have that same responsibility in a sense, to understand that we are good stewards, that once God has given us these gifts, we are supposed to use it to be good managers of whatever God has given. Thirdly, I'll bring us through the motivation for us to go. Sometimes when we first come to Christianity, right, and, and we think that, hey, you know, I, I only came to Christianity to just get my ticket to heaven to believe and get saved from hell. And now suddenly you ask me to do this and do that and get involved and everything. Like, I didn't sign up for this. That's not what was expected. That's not part of the deal. Right? And, and you ask me to serve, but you know, life sometimes is so, is so packed, right? It's so tiring. Where you work hard from the Monday to the Friday and sometimes the Saturday as well. And the weekends are for me. I need to rest. I need to sleep. I need to catch up on my favorite shows. I need to... Uh, do the housework. I need to bring the kids for tuition and for swimming lesson and for piano lesson. And there's no time now to serve. Like, I'm not ready for these kind of things. And maybe, maybe, 
I will serve after I retire, when I'm free. Right? After I've done all the different things I want to do in life, and I've traveled the world, and I've, I've uh, retired from my job, and I have a comfortable uh, retirement fund, and then now I can use my free time to go and serve. Right? So that might be the thinking of some of us today, and I hope that isn't so, because we do have uh, motivations for us to get involved serving even right now. And there are three motivations I'll run us through. Firstly, the time to serve is now. It's not later after we retire near the end of our life. Because I'll bring us a bit earlier through, a few verses earlier before in verse 7. And Peter writes, the end of all things is at hand. Which means we are coming to the end times. The world as we know it, it doesn't go on forever and ever and ever. There is a certain end point to the whole world history where Jesus will return and the world history will end. And God will judge the earth, God will reward his Christians, God will punish uh, those who have rejected him. So, if we're thinking we can delay and we can just wait till another time, hey, we don't know exactly when Jesus returns. No man knows the hour that he returns. And so in Romans 13, 11, it reminds us, hey, the hour is coming. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get, get moving, get active again. Because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And this was written 2,000 years ago. We are even 2,000 years closer than, than uh, when this was written. So the end is getting nearer and nearer. And it's just like in a relay race. And maybe it's just the feeling that, hey, we are, we are coming to the end of the relay race. We are one of the, the last few lap runners of this race and we need to start getting involved and the church as, as a whole, we need to start waking up and really be serious about the mission of God because this world as, it, as we know it, it will come to an end one day and that day is coming sooner. What happens when the, the end comes, right? Jesus as the master, he returns. And in Luke 12, it gives us that uh, parable or analogy of Jesus as this master of the estate, of this uh, household. And he goes away and he leaves everything in charge to his servants, right? And the servants have to manage the household, have to feed the other people, have to use the funds wisely. So what kind of uh, household would the master want to return to? Right, if he comes back and sees his whole house is in disarray and it's been, it's been raided and the money is all spent and the servants are lazy and they're sleeping, right, definitely he will punish such servants. But if the servants have been faithful, they've been uh, actively working, they've been using the resources well and when the master returns, he sees them uh, awake and, and re actively receiving him, then he says, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So when Jesus returns, if he returns like right now, like at this moment, what kind of church would Jesus return to? What kind of church would gospel like be? Will we be a, a sleeping church that has misused the resources God has given us or will he come back and find us to be a fruitful and serving church? And so that is the motivation uh, in, in looking at, hey, the end is coming and Jesus is returning. It also will encourage us to serve even when it's difficult. And uh, very briefly, in 1 Peter, he's really writing to a persecuted church, a church that's going through difficult times. And it's not like it was just very easy and they have nothing better to do, so let's come and serve each other. 
No, they, in their day-to-day life, most of them were, were running and hiding and, and uh, finding ways to survive in a very heavily persecuted environment. So the, the Roman authorities and the uh, Jewish leaders were against Christianity at that time. And they were trying to put Christians down. They were trying to wipe out the faith. And it was difficult to be a Christian. But in those circumstances, Peter was still encouraging his readers, hey, it's, even though you're going through all this, let's still serve, let's still love one another, let's still work things out as a church. That by the tested genuineness of your faith, when Jesus comes back, it will result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Basically saying when Jesus comes back and reveals himself, there will be praise and honour and glory that the church will not find itself ashamed and, and thinking, oh, suddenly we are caught unawares, we are caught unprepared, but they have been actively loving and serving even when times were tough. And times are still, in, a, in some senses, tough as Christians today. We may not face physical persecution like the, the Christians did back then, but we face different kinds of biases against us, different kinds of attacks from uh, worldly thinking and worldly culture, and Christianity runs very counter-cultural to the values and the morals and the ethics of the world today. And for that, in social media terms, it's very easy for us to get cancelled. Right? Very easy for us to get put down and uh, spoken against and ridiculed. And that's, that's, uh, that makes it tough sometimes for us to, to think, hey, if I get involved, if I make it more public that I'm I'm participating in church, will people laugh at me? Will people ridicule me? Will people alienate me? But allow this to be the motivation that, hey, we're not doing this just for people. We're not even doing this for ourselves. We're doing it for Jesus, that when He comes back and He sees us and sees our life, would it have been a fruitful and uh, obedient life to what He has called us to do? A second motivation is that we are called to love one another earnestly. And serving is really how we express that love one for another. So imagine at home, maybe uh, you're, you're just sitting at home and you're doing your thing and your wife wants you to help out with certain chores at home, right? And all you do is, hey, uh, dear, can you wash the dishes? And using your phone, and you, uh, I love you. And then you go back to doing your thing. And dear, can you uh, take the children out for something? Then you look at her, I love you. And then you, you continue with your own thing. And you can, you can tell your wife you love her 100,000 times a day, but if you never move, lift a finger to back that up, if your actions do not follow your words, if your, if your walk does not align with your talk, then all that verbal saying of I love you, right, it means nothing. And that's the same for us with, with God and with His people. And we can say we love God. We can say we love the church. We can say we love the brethren. But if our lives, there's nothing in it to show for it, then can you really say that there is a love for God? Right? So serving and really getting involved is the way for us to express that love that we have. And that's exactly what God has commanded us, that we love one another just as He loved us. And by that, people would know that we truly are the disciples of God. That even when it's difficult to love, and, and serving sometimes, we know that it's tough, that then it's sacrifice, then it's time, then it's money, then it's patience. Sometimes people are just tough to love. We are unlovable people. But when the church is able to love itself in such a supernatural way, 
that's how the world will see that, hey, that's a supernatural God, that God is real, that there's no human explanation to why this community of people can be so loving and, and uh, being serving and being a blessing to each other, except that their God is real and that's a God of love. So as we love each other, as we serve each other, may that be the motivation for us to really put our hand to the plough and get involved. A third motivation will be that in everything, God may be glorified. It brings to mind the verse as well from 1 Corinthians 10, that whether you eat or drink, whatever you do. So no matter how small or insignificant you think the task is, the role is, that in every single way, God can be glorified in what you do. Even if it's just shaking the hand of a newcomer, even if it's just turning to your neighbour and welcoming them to gospel light and saying hello, Right, even, even if it's teaching the young, young children and the preschoolers in the Sunday school and, and so on, no matter how small, no matter how minuscule, but all things can bring God glory. So whatever we do, we can point back to Jesus. Sometimes we have misunderstandings or misconceptions of what serving is about. Serving is really not to earn favour from God. There's a reason why Go is the third part of this series. So before that, we need to know. We need to know Jesus. We need to come to a saving relationship with uh, Jesus Christ. Then we are growing in Him. We are increasingly sanctified. And after that comes the going and the serving for Him. So serving and getting involved in church is not a means to earn favour and earn righteousness from God. That is a, a result of that, that we serve out of gratitude. Right, it also does not erase any of our sin. It does not make you holier and, and more lovable in God's sight. And maybe some of us as Christians, we have our failings. During the week, we commit different sins, we have certain habits, we fall to certain temptations, and we feel, okay, to make up for that, I will come and, and get involved on Sunday, and maybe the good and the bad will balance out. And so when God looks at me, He says, okay, not, not so bad, lah, okay? Got five good points, got five bad points, then average. But serving is not a means to erase our sin. God has already loved and accepted us. Our sins are forgiven. Serving does not make God love you any much more. You're already as loved as you can be. But it's again back to we serve because we want to bring glory to God. It's out of a heart of gratitude when we understand what God has given us. Serving also should not be promoting ourselves. And that's very easy sometimes when we come to church and and we take on roles and responsibilities, and we stand in front of people to speak, and we uh, lead certain care groups or Bible study groups, and we think, now I am somebody. People look up to me. I organize things. I lead things. And it can be very easily made into a self-promoting activity. And that definitely is not what we want to do. We don't want to rob glory from God. We want to give glory to God. Lastly, serving is also not to feel spiritual or to fit in and just see that, oh, just because everyone around me is serving and, and I kiasu, I, I don't want to lose out, I don't want to be left behind. So I get involved just to make myself uh, look acceptable amongst my peers. And that's also not a right way to uh, get involved in serving. So serving is to, in everything, God may be glorified. If there is one statement I want you guys to walk away with today. If everything else you forget, you take home this one. I think that's good enough. We are saved to serve so that God is glorified. 
Alright? So the whole purpose, the whole reason of why we serve is that we want to bring glory back to God. You see, everything we have in our lives has been given to us. Our breath, our days, our spiritual gifts. And we want to use that to the best of our ability to bring glory back to the giver. Instead of focusing on ourselves, instead of focusing on what we've been given, we want to bring the focus back to God who gave us in the first place. And that's understanding uh, the heart of gratitude because of the grace that God has first shown us. Simple quote by Luther, and he says that this confidence and personal knowledge of divine grace makes the Christian joyful, bold, full of warm affection towards God and all created things, of which the Holy Spirit empowers. So such a Christian will, without constraint, be willing and eager to do good to everyone, serve everyone, and suffer all manner of ills in order to please and glorify God who has shown toward him such grace. When we understand the grace of God given to us, then us going out to serve is simply that outpour of, of gratitude, of a way of saying thank you to Jesus, thank you to God, and we want to honour him and glorify him in return. So three points we've looked at today our means to go, our command, mandate to go, and thirdly, our motivation to go. The gifts we've been given to manage as good managers so that we bring God glory. Alright, so we can't end a, a sermon on go without talking about the practical applications. How do we practically go and what can we actually do? And just drawing firstly from Galatians 6.10. And we are to do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. So the first natural way that we can really get involved in serving is through the existing church platforms that we have. And I've looked up our website, and it's actually very easy for you to find out where you can be a part. And you see, for the whole uh, church to, to be running, our services to be running, there are many people who, are, who work, whether on stage or behind the scenes, and who labour hard, who sacrifice to get everything going, right from our traffic marshalers to our ushers to our AV team, and even beyond that, and there are many uh, positions and, and categories of how we can get involved. And I, I looked it up, and there are over, I think about 66 different categories and positions for gospel lighters to get involved and, and go for Jesus. So there is something for everyone. There's no excuse to say, oh, just because I, I'm introverted or extroverted or I prefer to do this or that, then, then there's nothing for me. Right? There are 66 things over different categories, so I think there is something for everyone to be involved. Even more than just the established ministry platforms, it's really just the interpersonal relationships that we have one with another. How can we serve people in a more intentional and life-to-life -life way? Right? It doesn't mean that you have to join a ministry platform, but even just around you, like just beside you, your neighbour, how can you serve them by, by talking to them, by welcoming them, by being hospitable? How can you welcome a newcomer to church? How can you serve the younger ones? How can uh, older men serve the younger men, older women serve the younger women? How can you be in church getting involved and contributing to your care group? How can you uh, get involved in making disciples so that we fulfill our mission of leading 
generations into life-changing relationships with Jesus Christ. And all these are also means for us to serve the body of Christ. So, just want to share in the youth ministry that uh, we are very blessed, we are very privileged to be a part of seeing how youth, as they come to know Jesus, and they get saved in our ministry, they grow, and they want to go for Jesus. They want to uh, use their, their, their life, their time, their energy to get involved in serving and serving each other. So the youth across our ministry platforms, I want to honour them. Thank you, guys. And looking at how the greater church gets involved as well, just the past December, we had our youth camp, and I was very blessed and encouraged to see many uh, people from across different ministries, from the varsity to the adults to uh, the younger adults and the older adults, and they all came together to contribute and, and just want to serve the youth and play a part. Uh, as well, the kids' Bible camp we had in November, and we had many adults who came in as facilitators, as teachers, as games ICs, and I think that's really sacrifice where maybe their natural state, you see them in church, they are dressed well, they are stoic, they are proper, but when they came down for kids' Bible camp, they put all that aside and really to serve the, the children, to get to know them, and they were just like rah-rah and running around and playing games with the children. And I was blessed to see all of that and how gospel lighters uh, really wanted to, to live out their faith in how they love one another. So beyond just the church platforms itself, I think there's definitely a call for us to go outside as well when we serve God by bringing His Word to other people. And we are likewise commanded in Matthew 28 that we go, therefore, to all nations, uh, preaching, teaching, baptizing, and making disciples of everyone. So that's definitely a way that we serve God, that we also want to make disciples and fulfill our mission. We want to be an ex-church for today, a place that hey, believers come together, we are, we are growing, we are serving, and we are bringing the gospel out to others, that we can be a fruitful and effective church. So I pray that if any time Jesus returns, that when He comes back, He will find us to be a church that is not weak, not, not uh, inactive, not sleeping, but a church that is actively involved, growing, being strong in how we serve and love one another, how we are good stewards, good managers of the gifts and resources that He has given to us. And as we serve, we bring God all the glory. So allow me to close us in a word of prayer. God, we thank You for Your Word preached today. We thank You for how You have blessed and, and empowered gospel light through its uh, 35 over years of uh, existence, how you have uh, grown us from strength to strength. And I pray that in the years to come, we will not become a church that is uh, unf unfruitful and sleeping and, and just uh, lazy and resting on the achievements of the past, but we will still be a church that continues to grow, that continues to, to be involved in serving one another and the community around us. So I pray you uh, empower every Christian, encourage every Christian here to play our part in the body of Christ that as we love and serve one another, we bring all glory back to you. So we thank you and, and ask in Jesus' name, Amen.